still doing what you're doing and you've got some great new uh, research to share. And uh, wow, I, I mean, we we connected, I think, when uh, now 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 you're much more attuned, of course, to the um, to the field of uh, geoengineering and climate climate change. And of course, the chemicals, uh, the, the phrase that's widely abused, I think, on many levels uh, by many folks, chemtrails, which is a which is an Air Force, U.S. Air Force term. Right. Uh, right. It's not a theory. Uh, and, uh, and and so you're much more attuned to that space than I am. But uh, but Alana, you know, I I don't know if you remember the first time we talked, but I started doing my programs and, and my interviews. And, and I've got my book that's uh, uh, published, going to be published now by Trine Day here in a couple months uh, coming out. Uh, I started doing what I do from Miami because of the Zika virus. Um, and uh, that was, that was 2016, the fall of 2016, uh, three years later, uh, of course, uh, and now we're a year and a half into it. We've got this global virus, this pandemic, the COVID-19, this another coronavirus. Right. I, I, yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> so we want to, um, of course, uh, it's a pleasure to have you rejoin the program and, 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 uh, I'd like to, uh, like to obviously have you discuss, uh, your, your new research, maybe we can tie some things together here on what's happening. And uh, how, how are you? Oh, I, I'm well. I'm just in the writing mode where, you know, not sleeping well, lots of things on my mind. You know the, the drill for writing a book. It just sort of takes over everything. And it's been two years I've been working on this book, and I'm on the last chapter. Uh, and uh, it's, it's huge. And it couldn't... It couldn't have been better timed this uh, this COVID uh, event for me because I've been able to go on the internet and listen to many many doctors and uh, PhDs about uh, their insights into what this really is, and uh, it's you know therefore I'm I'm way off schedule. I should have been done uh, at least three or four months ago, but I'm now. Uh, approaching the end and uh it's the hardest book i've ever written and i don't know if you know ian but i ghostwrite books for people too I'm, i've been a ghostwriter for many years and this is uh, i've probably written over a dozen books and this is definitely the hardest book i've ever written wow that says something now for listeners the book that uh, alana is almost almost completing here is working on completing i think uh You've got just a, a chapter left that you that you're that you're uh, scheduled to write here. The, the book is called that'll be available soon. Geoengineered transhumanism: How the environment has been weaponized by chemicals, electromagnetics, and nanotechnology for synthetic biology. Uh, this is uh, this is we're living the future right now. This is it. And, and Alana, you're really bringing things together. But I, but I, but also for listeners who perhaps may not be familiar with your name, you have historically, you were, you were well-achieved academically out of high school, whereas I think it was, was it in high school that you were um, invited to the White House in D.C. and you met JFK and uh, some yes. of these players at the day? Yes, yes, I was, six, I was uh, 16 years old, and, uh, and I went to Girls Nation, and at the, that same summer, Bill Clinton was at Boys Nation, and um, there were a hundred of us, 50 girls, 50 boys, in the Rose Garden 
with President Kennedy near the end of our week in which we did mock government. I had spent the entire week with Lyndon Baines Johnson uh, hurting my group of girls around. And uh, boy, he's a really sleazy character. At that, at that time, I don't think I knew the word sleazy, but I certainly felt it. And, um, and then about three, four months later, uh, President Kennedy was murdered on television, and I had to go and give talks to the civic groups that had paid for my trip to Washington about that day with Kennedy, when he um, he alluded to me during his uh, during the time in the Rose Garden. We were only there maybe an hour, and he alluded to how much like his wife I looked, and at that time I did look a lot like. Jackie Kennedy. So it was a huge political moment for me. I, I, I think that was my awakening, uh, was his murder. And, um, and then, of course, the 60s generation, my generation, and all the mayhem that was going on then. Uh, it, I was thinking last night how like child's play it looks compared to what we're under now. Uh, and yet, it was how I came of age, yes. Now, the under an I and I sky is uh, was 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 your previous. Well, I think you've had a book in between that, but but one of the main the main book released uh, by you um, from Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown that was two thousand fourteen. Is that right? Right. Chem, both books were published by Feral House, um, and the chemtrails harp and the full spectrum dominance of planet earth was the first book in 2014 and then in 2018 uh, under an ionized sky from chemtrails to space fence lockdown came out and each one <clears throat> each book i mean you know how this works as a writer uh, each book sort of gives birth to a whole bunch of new ideas that then give birth to yet another book and i I promise you this, Ian, this is the last book, the one I'm finishing now, that I will write on geoengineering. I, By the end of this book, in a, this trilogy I've written, I will have said everything that I am qualified to say. I have tried to paint the very large picture <clears throat> of how the environment has been set up. And I, and I use that term advisedly set up consciously intentionally as the means by which we will be under space fence lockdown and um that uh, that has to do with the military doctrine of full spectrum dominance but what i didn't know when i was writing those other books was that full spectrum dominance didn't just mean to completely control the atmosphere the uh, the planet uh, in a physical way, but also uh, in a cultural psychological way. I knew that uh, because the CIA is involved in this and they are always concerned about culture. But uh, what I didn't realize was that the microbiology part of this would uh, be part of also the dominance the full spectrum dominance over the miniature world, the microbe world by which 
we all live here on planet Earth. I mean, we're just surrounded and completely infused with microbes, uh, and we've been we've been conditioned to think of them as harmful, as a threat, as an enemy with germ warfare and the idea of the virus, the idea of uh, the bacteria. And, and what I didn't realize is that all that conditioning we've undergone, not only is it false, but it is used uh, to control and profit from our uh, lack of health. And our health in America has been diminishing steadily over the last, uh, over my lifetime. I mean, basically, uh, over the last 50 years that I've been watching and uh, observing, ex uh, analyzing and figuring out what the heck is going on here in America where uh, I was born. Where is this being driven from, Alana? Is this a, is this, is this an American uh, conception? Is this, is this outside of America? Is America a player in it? I, I, to give listeners an idea of really what's kind of happening with with space lockdown and and um, there's a and I hadn't known this prior, Alana, but 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 you you talk about a uh, a synthetic sun. Uh, for instance, the Chinese actually have a synthetic sun. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. That that's just a, a uh, it's called the solar simulator. And we have a lunar simulator as well, and it isn't just China. Uh, the United States has one. Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked lately to see how many nations have it. But it is uh, it is a um, an LED-driven uh, mirror refractory reflecting uh, device that is uh, basically sent up by rocket and and uh, and completely constructed in the uh, troposphere, I assume. I don't think it's in the stratosphere. And, uh, and it, it has a variety of functions. I mean, sometimes people even see it, right? I mean, they go, what? I see two suns in the sky. But you can tell the difference between our, our, our natural sun and the solar simulator. The solar simulator is LED driven. And so the light from it is white. And you'll also see that there's no firm boundary to it. It sort of just sort of splays out as a, as a sort of light event in the sky. Uh, whereas our, our sun, our natural star, it gives out a beautiful golden light uh, and has a perimeter that is you can see without damaging your eyes. Right. What is the, what is the, well, how, how many, again, my original question, uh, I think, was uh, uh, where does this really inset? And I, and I want you to address CERN, uh, what's going on at CERN in Switzerland for listeners. We can segue into that at, 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 at a, in a bit. But uh, what, again, what is, how, many, how many suns are, are in this uh, troposphere? Uh, or how many suns are, 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 we, are, we, are we talking about? Well, it seems to me that they're not they're not just putting it up there to make more light or to take the place of the sun, though you will notice, uh, and I have this in this next book, because of course, as usual in every book, 
I go back over uh, the environment and what has happened since the previous book uh, to uh, the, the the fun and games, the uh, the magician show in our atmosphere. Because again, I remind you, our atmosphere is ionized, and what that means is it's it's plasma loaded and uh, very useful for even uh, theatrical movie screen type things. And in a way, that's what the solar simulator is used for, is there seems to be something that they want to hide from us from time to time. And uh, they will, they being, that would be NASA in the United States, that would be the ESA in Europe, that would be uh, any number of space organizations that are in on what Catherine Austin Fitz uh, and uh, and the dark journalist call uh, the uh, secret space program. And there is a real secret space program going on. I mean, I, I can't imagine being so naive that people would think they would be open about what is going on because of course space too is being weaponized. So uh, this this solar simulator seems to blot out our sun from time to time. You can see this in a variety of videos if you just search or if you read the chapter in which I go into this in this next book. Uh, you can you can see some people have discovered uh, these cameras that are around the earth that are on 24 seven and uh, are also running on the internet. You can see the footage. Now and then the footage is changed. Something's been clipped out that the powers that be don't want you to see. Uh, But generally speaking, you can see that the solar simulator is activated uh, in part to hide something. And what is that something? Well, of course, some people are gonna say it's Nibiru. Some people are gonna say it's uh, a, an incoming planet, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but I kind of go with the idea that there may actually be a sphere being formed uh, in the, uh, I guess I would say it's in the troposphere, but at the very edge, the very edge of the stratosphere too. Uh, and, and what is this thing? Well, I think it might be made of nuclear material such as plutonium. And I, um, I posit that in this book uh, because that seems to me to make the most sense that, that a lot of the radiation that's escaping from uh, our nuclear silos and, uh, and, and even you know, the, uh, the detritus that comes from this this so-called clean energy, uh, it actually has a form. And uh, if, if it is invisible at this level, it would take on a form if it was treated with plasma. So um, it's just a theory, Ian, but uh, I know that the solar simulator is used for, uh, for purposes of hiding something along with probably a whole lot of other things. Ilana, is it is it a conspiracy theory or is it simply a scientific theory? I think this is what I'm saying is pretty scientific. I mean, think about my position. 
I'm writing about national security programs, which definitely geoengineering is. They make it seem like it's open. And since uh, President Trump uh, entered office in 2017, it was announced again as something that we're doing solar radiation management or what the whatever the latest acronym is. Uh, and uh, and you know, we're being open about it now. We have to do this because of climate change, global warming, whatever whatever term they're using, which I consider all of which a, a ruse uh, to cover over the secret space program and the many, many, many uh, operations going on in, in the sky. Um, conspiracy theory. Yes, it, there, is a, there is a conspiring that has gone on here, but uh, how much do, do Americans need to know about what NASA and NOAA and all, all the rest are doing? I, I tend to think because of the biological uh, aspect and also the mind control aspects of this technology, uh, Americans deserve to know. So I spend a lot of time, it's not the kind of book, you can't write a book about national security issue that's still active that has not been declassified you can't you can't go to a library and read 10 bestsellers on the issue you have to sort of scotch tape it together yourself if you're if you have that kind of a mind which i do and and if you're a good uh, spot on researcher and um able to find the papers the patents uh the conferences the interviews the whatever in order to understand how this technology really works. And, and uh, that's, that's what I do. Uh, it seems to be something I'm driven to do because it bothers me greatly, one, that our, uh, our First Amendment rights are now almost gone, uh, and, and that at the same time, science is going on right in front of us, uh, but it's being weaponized and therefore hidden. And, and Americans have really uh, lost the ability to think things through. Uh, they've lost confidence in themselves. They wait for experts to speak, uh, experts who are often either uh, colluding with uh, this, uh, this secret science or are, uh, are simply maybe threatened and, and remain quiet because of potential danger. I mean, you know, this is this is the realm of national security, and it's not the same as what most people live, and I understand that. But I, as a regular person, as a citizen, uh, I, I, I watch my P's and Q's because uh, I realize I'm treading on territory that uh, is, is a bit dangerous you might say but but i think that the fact that i'm just a person no phd i have a masters in historiography but otherwise i have no lovely letters after my name in science or physics or anything uh and and i simply work with my mind and with what i'm able to find and the patterns that i see arising and so far i have to say that all now, 10 years in the geoengineering movement where I've been really obsessively going after everything, I have to say I've never been wrong yet. Alana, uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I, 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 there's definitely a conspiracy here. Now, um, there, and, and it's 
it's it's surfacing on on many levels. We have uh, perhaps the most uh, blatant attack on our civil rights, as you you're speaking of, uh, any time in in history. Um, I, I started on the trail I started on because of a guy named Dr. Sutton, Anthony Sutton out of Stanford. And, and last week, uh, I hosted uh, uh, the editor of technocracy.news, uh, Patrick Wood, uh, who co-hosted, uh, co-wrote a book with, uh, with Dr. Sutton before he passed away. And, and I happen to agree with you. Uh, Dr. Sutton written a book called The, uh, the Federal Reserve Conspiracy, not, not Theory. Uh, now, you, you simply mentioned theory because you're talking about things that, um, again, as you say, are really uh, beyond uh, your, uh, your, your ability to talk about. Uh, which I think is why you're you're suggesting this is your 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 last book. Um, however, let's let's talk about. Um, well, 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 let me let me just throw this out at you. Let me just let me just throw this out at you, Alana, and then I want to get into CERN. Is there is 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 the phrase uh, or, or 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 the word extraterrestrial involvement? Is that simply a let's say a CIA opt? Uh, uh, whereas it, it's something that is perhaps possibly planned to uh, roll out to control the masses, as is this mask wearing business and these vaccine business uh, to control masses. In my, this is my opinion. Uh, or is uh, from any of your research, is there uh, involvement? I mean, people say in God we trust, so you say God. Well, God doesn't live on the planet. God lives somewhere else. Whatever God is. Uh, so that would be extraterrestrial in that sense. So uh, an extraterrestrial pres presence is widely accepted when applied to a term or a name or a concept like God. I, I hope you're staying with me in that is in anywhere in your research. Uh, or, or do you go to one side or the other uh, in, in regards to this concept of uh, extraterrestrial involvement? Uh, is, is there any validity to something like that actually existing or is it again uh, is it possibly just a, a phrase used for some type of a uh, a planned or or a possible planned uh, uh, CIA type uh, involvement to control the masses well you know that that term uh, first of all I've never heard it uh, used in relationship to God <laughs> by the way uh, but um, that term is so loaded, and and that's what we have to think of is the CIA. Uh, they're really very clever, and they they're the authors of the term conspiracy theory. Of course, they dragged that out and and uh, gave it a, a new shine uh, after John Kennedy's assassination, just to start shutting people up who could see through the ruse of what they were involved in. But uh, I, I think the term extraterrestrial, I don't ever use that term uh, because it's so loaded. It's been, it's been saddled with so much weight that is amorphous and anomalous and sort of isn't there, but is, and it, it's just too loaded. But I know what you're getting at, and let me say this. The Clifford Carnicum, the independent scientist that I'm good friends with and have worked with 
uh, over the last 10 years regarding the geoengineering issue from my vantage point. He's the true scientist. He used to work for Department of Defense. He worked for uh, Bureau of Land Management as a scientist, and he left all that and went on his own. And he really is primarily responsible for just about everything that we began to wake up to after Nick Begich's book, Angels Don't Play This Harp, came out in 1995. That said, Clifford came up with seven operations that he believes geoengineering is involved in, not just weather engineering. Uh, there are seven operations. And the seventh is, uh, is, is using the clouds this cloud cover of uh, plasma clouds. These are not these are not moisture clouds that we normally have. Uh, any type of cloud can now be built with plasma, electromagnetics, and chemicals. So um, he he posited that there's a there's a final operation in which the clouds are being used to uh, either detect or hide. Uh, uh, sophisticated technology uh, and you know this would be uh, going back to NASA having stuff up there like the the TR th uh, 3A I believe it's called and uh, the uh, the Aurora was another a triangular ship um, and I think this is accurate I think that uh, there are there are ships or craft hiding in some of these clouds. They can even produce their own plasma, <clears throat> and people have caught it on camera. So, so there's that. But there, there's a much for the word extraterrestrial. The the thing that appeals to me is that if someone, and there are many someones doing this now, who have positions of authority uh, during this COVID. Uh, uh, operation. We've seen some of these people. Uh, we've seen them in the Disclosure Project, which wants to bring out all the UFO type of uh, information that the U.S. Air Force and uh, other branches of the military have kept secret and classified. Um, the, if, if any of these people who are involved in this give up their humanity and I can't define that for you. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you see, I'm pretty sure you probably see human beings as uh, differently than I do. But there is something unique about human beings, despite the fact that there are many people who want to, uh, to basically poo-poo humanity and you know, and looking forward to enhancing uh, human weakness, et cetera, with transhumanism. I'm not one of those people. Um, I see that there is something unique in the human being uh, that is almost, that is divine. And I can't prove it in a court of law. I can't put it under a microscope. But I, I'm in my lifetime, have met a, few, a handful of people who I would say are great, I mean great human beings. And they are very varied. Uh, they they do not have necessarily PhDs. They do not necessarily have a big income. Uh, they there's something about them that just is what every human being a quality. Every human being who wants to be truly human would desire. 
and might even model on. Uh, so that's, if you abandon that, then there's a law of nature that takes over, and that law is uh, nature abhors a vacuum. And that vacuum inside that human being will be filled by something. And that something is not just an idea. It, it doesn't have flesh, as we think of it, but it does have some sort of entity presence, which might be plasma. Uh, I, I don't know what it's made of, but, but it is real. It's just that with our very tiny aperture into the electromagnetic spectrum, which as you know, when you look at what's visual there, you're going, wow, we can hardly see anything. We can't see into infrared, we can't see gamma rays, we can't see into radio waves. I mean, we are just tiny, tiny, tiny. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist in one of these other bands of frequency. So I think if I were to vote for extraterrestrial, and that's why you want to talk about CERN, I'm sure, is <clears throat> there, there are ways to invite those entities into one's uh, human psyche, body, subtle bodies, whatever you want to talk about, whichever level of frequency you want to talk about, they come in and they fill that vacuum and suddenly you're not you anymore. And you know the rumor now about the PCR test, I, I think that's the initials, I haven't memorized it, um, that, that there is something in this whole event going on of push, push, push for the vaccine, push, push, push for the test uh, that may actually qualify our humanity. And a lot of people may laugh at that, but could you chemically produce something? And particularly now that we have nanotechnology, which is hugely important, hugely. I'm, write, I'm, I'm almost writing an entire book about nanotechnology. If, if you had that going on, could you cross that barrier between the physics of the body and the metaphysics of the humanity? Could you cross over and impact the metaphysics of humanity? Yes, I believe you could. There's, there's, there's a guest that has joined my program frequently uh, over the years, and he's got a PhD. Happens to have a PhD in humanities, and uh, from 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 Oxford. And uh, and I mentioned to him on one, on one of the the previous recent times he joined the program. Uh, Was it Joseph? Is it Joseph? No, no. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Uh, Joseph Farrell. Joseph Farrell. Oh, I'm no. a fan of his. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Uh, it's it's not Joseph. His name is JP. Uh, the fellow I'm talking about. But uh, but I I'd mentioned I mentioned uh, a school at Oxford that is considered to be if not the it's one of the most prestigious if not the most prestigious uh, academic uh, institutions to get into at Oxford and it's called All Soul School. Uh -huh. uh, yes, I'm familiar and, with it. And and I think Cecil Rhodes had left the majority of his tr his trust uh, to it and uh, anyway so he was he was familiar he, he was caught up caught a little bit that I that I <laughs> that I'd gone into uh, dialogue. Uh, 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 just touching on the basis of, of that. Uh, let's get into CERN, uh, Alana, because uh, because because in this kind of a, a world of 
a, a technocratic uh, 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 realization, uh, a, a thread, if you will, for listeners, thread in what's happening with COVID-19. I, th- I, think, I think more and more Americans are kind of waking up and saying, it's pardon the use of that term, but they're kind of getting up in the morning and saying, "I'm looking at a different world that 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 is now slapping me right in the face than it, than than I was living you know, just you know a couple of years ago." I mean, the world has changed so dramatically. Um, tie in, if you can, if you will, uh, COVID nineteen into uh, what's what you know is happening at CERN, and then uh, I, I talk a little bit about smart dust. <laughs> well, you don't want any small talk here, do you? I mean, um, truthfully, Ian, I am not keeping track of CERN right now. CERN has been closed for a couple of years. For They're making it even bigger. And it may be because of what China is doing, where it, too, is creating a massive particle accelerator. Everything, of course, that China does is massive. Uh, and... But I do want to address what it has done, because in a way, would we be living in this different type of time, and I use the term advisedly, um, had it not been for CERN? I used to be friends with Anthony Patch, and he was my go-to man for anything CERN. And um, Anthony was very, very helpful to me. Uh, to get an idea of CERN so that I could write, I think it's chapter eight in my Under an Ionized Sky. I have a chapter entitled The Temple of CERN. And it's it's well worth reading that one chapter, particularly for you, because uh, you're very interested in CERN. And that was the period when CERN was highly active and it became evident when I understood what the D-Wave computer, the it's a, um, it's a quantum adiabatic computer, and uh, you may have heard uh, Jordy, uh, I can't remember Jordy's last name, but he's the uh, chief technical officer at uh, D-Wave, uh, D-Wave is up in British Columbia, just north of me. Um, Jordy actually came out and said a couple of things regarding his his bottomless respect for the D-Wave computer, uh, which requires uh, being having a part of it in a an environment so cold that it's actually three degrees colder, as I recall, than outer space. And that that cold feature attracted my attention because I'm familiar with um, some some things that absolutely need cold temperature and can't can't really be in this level of reality uh, if it's any warmer. So um, the D-Wave computer runs. I don't know about now, but at that time it did. It ran everything having to do, all the software, all the decision-making regarding what was happening with the magnetosphere above the Earth. And um, the magnetosphere is sort of surrounding our ionosphere and all the other spheres, plasmosphere, 
etc., all the way down to our little troposphere, the teeny-weeny little uh, edge we have around the Earth. And, um, and D-Wave was making all those decisions, and it was obvious to me that they were opening what we call portals. They were opening um, doors to other dimensions. And to most people, this sounds... Uh, science fiction. But of course, the military, I don't know how many dimensions they've discovered now, but uh, it used to be, uh, when I paid attention, it was 12. So uh, there are obviously uh, many dimensions going on. We're sort of uh, perceiving reality now as sort of an onion with various layers. And, um, and you can, you know, there are people who can see through that, I suppose, uh, people who have psychic abilities, but you can also see through it with mathematics uh, and, and you can see through it now with some of the devices that have been um, invented or at least brought forward uh, after be, having been invented probably a long time ago. And, uh, and that's, that's to me what CERN was doing, was uh, it was opening gates for entities that uh, Jordi uh, referred to uh, uh, as the old ones, and now we're in a zone that is particularly strange, uh, for the old ones to come in. Now, did that happen? Uh, I think it did, and I think uh, the reason our atmosphere is completely different than it was before geoengineering began two, uh, two decades plus ago, completely different, because they have treated it with chemicals, heat, resonance, uh, all manner of things. And when I say they, we're talking NASA, we're talking CERN, we're talking uh, all the different ionospheric heaters like HARP. Uh, all of this has been about full-spectrum dominance over our planet for the secret space program. All this has been going on. Now, did they know that they were releasing the old ones? I think they did because there were several rituals that I discuss in that chapter in Under an Ionized Sky. There were several ritual, rituals performed at CERN, which is in, on the border of Switzerland and France, as you know, and, uh, and it's a very uh, geomagnetically uh, active area. Uh, they chose that area for the particle accelerator, not because the land was cheap, but because they wanted that geomagnetic current, uh, what some people call ley lines, whatever you want to call it, where it's super, super active and is itself a gateway. And that's the value of CERN. And I, I do need to get back to CERN simply for my own, uh, my own interest. But, uh, but I am quite familiar with that period when I was more in touch with Anthony Patch. And what's, how does it tie into this virus and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, what, what seems to be a, apparently uh, uh, a, a, an attempt with... Uh, uh, integration with, with human genome and, and as you're you're writing about in this new book the transhumanism I hope that's not too broad of a stroke uh, but, no, but no 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 it's it is connected uh, but it's a, it's an odd connection now 
Now, did we, Ian, say the last time I was with you that I'm a student of Rudolf Steiner? That name does sound familiar, Ilana. I think you mentioned right. that. Right. Well, I was a Waldorf teacher for years, and I helped to found several Waldorf schools. Um, and Steiner also was involved in many, many things. And one of them was uh, occult uh, esoterics regarding uh, various levels of reality here uh, around being a human being on the planet, etc. So, I, you know, I've been 40-some years in that. And um, what I see is that uh, the, the global elites who are behind all of this COVID-19 event, and I, I purposely call it an event because, as you know, there are many doubts about what it really is and what it really isn't. And we don't need to go into that. Uh, but the, the global elites who are behind this event, this global event, uh, are very much, the ones at the top anyway, not all of them, uh, the ones at the top are, are esotericists of their own, in their own right. And they know, they know, uh, they follow the planets, they follow the, and when you say the planets, I'm not talking about newspaper astrology. We're talking about the, the, uh, the frequencies, the vibrations. Uh, you know, now we all know that reality is really basically a matter of frequency. And, uh, and so they follow all that. They have the, the, the money and the power to, to employ a lot of people who are very good at what they do in order to discover every nuance you can imagine regarding uh, the transformation of the earth and of humanity. And I say humanity, are, are they as concerned about animals? No, they're not. Uh, their major concern is <clears throat> the human being because the human being, as I told you, is a very unique being despite the bad press that the worst of us get, uh, there is something about the human being which is extraordinary. Rudolf Steiner goes so far as to say that, that <clears throat> humanity, humanity is the religion of the gods. And um, that's, uh, I really like that because what makes us special is not that we're nice or that we have um, brains or it, it has to do with our free will. And uh, the, the development of free will and, uh, and taking responsibility for one's free will, these are, these are very unique uh, things about the human being. So what these global elites want is they want a non-free will human being. They want a hive mind uh, human being. And that's where this COVID-19, in my opinion, and I have a long chapter on this, so you'll be able to read it if you so wish, uh, uh, is the COVID-19 uh, event is about um, getting the final touch of this environmental uh, weaponization that has basically changed our atmosphere, therefore changed the air we're breathing, therefore changed our blood, because it goes in through our lungs, goes into our blood, goes beyond the blood-brain barrier. All of this is loaded 
to the beyond the belief of trillions and trillions and trillions of nanoparticles, some of which are natural, many of which are genetically engineered to be the internal network by which we will be controlled from outside. And uh, meanwhile, we're breathing in more trillions more every day because, uh, as we know, the jets that are flying and the rockets that are the sounding rockets that are heading up to take satellites up or or take weather uh, readings or whatever they're doing, all of them are spewing more and more, not just from the engine chamber, but from supplementary systems, spewing more and more and more biological, chemical uh, entities that we call nanobots, nanorobots, all of which have tiny, tiny microcomputers in them and uh, are in touch with what I call the laptop boys uh, that are collecting all the biometrics that these entities are taking uh, taking notice of. Uh, And uh, there's a lot of nanosensors on every level you can possibly imagine. We are now hosting these entities. And were we ever asked if we wanted to be doing this, no, we were not. We were not asked because uh, the global elites see that they own not just the planet, but all of the inhabitants as well and can do with them as they bloody well please, either openly or covertly. So that's that's kind of why I, uh, not, not kind of, that's why I have, really studied this COVID-19 thing so that I can understand that they are putting the software in us now for running this whole network that has been already built. It began with Morgellons long ago when Clifford Carnicum was studying uh, what was coming down as precipitation and in his, um, his HEPA filter the fibers, the filaments uh, that he eventually was able to break into, uh, mostly chemically, and find uh, what what it was, what that polymer fil- filament was carrying, and it was carrying what goes by the common name of Morgellons, which is not a very good term. Uh, it it has uh, because it. And I'm going to cover that again, too. I covered it in the last chapter of the first book, Clifford's work. And now I'm returning to it uh, under the the umbrella of nanotechnology, because that's exactly what it is. It is nanotechnology that has built a a fiber fiber optics, uh, maybe without the optics, network in our bodies because it's very, it replicates, it has, uh, it, some people are suffering greatly from the Morgellons, as you know, they have lesions, they have uh, wires sticking out of the lesions that are uh, highly sensitive to electromagnetics. All of this has been done purposely to be able to transmute 
the human 1.0, as Dr. Carrie Maget uh, calls it, uh, to a 2.0 human being or a singularity human being, a, a robotic uh, brain-computer interface, BCI human, human being. And, and I make the case that it all began with the chemtrails and uh, actually it began before that with radiation, making sure that the three bombs went off back in 45 and the atmosphere was transformed at that point as well, uh, hugely. And the air we breathed was transformed as well and goes on and on and on with half-lives of radiation. Uh, and, and then they, they gave it a little boost with Fukushima, thanks to the HARP uh, uh, ionospheric heater. And, it, and the story goes on, Ian. I mean, how big is this story? This is, this is huge. And um, I can't believe it, but I'm the only person at this point, to my knowledge, telling it. Uh, I don't know why that is. Is it because I'm wrong? Oh, no. No, no. I'm right. But... Uh, Maybe it's maybe many people's minds don't work this way. I don't really know, nor do I sit around and think about it. I have a job to do, and as I told you, this is the final. I mean, I suppose I could write a book on mind control next to show how they do this uh, in in detail. But I would uh, I would rather leave uh, some things to others and write some other things. <laughs> And, and, and Alana, I like how you uh, you threw out uh, the name Captain Austin Fitz because um, she's one of the early ones that I that I heard talk about um, the vaccines correlating to uh, software updates and computers. And, and you've you know the, yes. the research that you've just laid out for listeners is you know and you, you you've just brought it brought it for a full circle and very well said there. Um, as we wind down here, last couple of moments. Um, and I, again, thank you for, for joining the show. Um, if you are able to just, just, if you are able to Alana, you, 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 I think a lot of listeners would, uh, would like your perspective or your view on, on how, how would you define global elites? How is that defined for you? To me, they're, they're bloodlines. And I at first awoke to what they are. Uh, through the, I don't know that you may be too young to remember, I don't know, uh, but in the 90s, there was a, um, a scandal in Belgium. Uh, it's often called the Dutroux scandal. And Marc Dutroux was sort of another Epstein. He was a, a pimp for the rich and powerful. And he was stealing children off the streets and taking them to castles of very wealthy, uh, old bloodline people. Uh, and uh, these children were used there and often murdered in ritual. So the, the, I found this one site which did a fantastic job of digging into every crevice they could find. And uh, it was there that I discovered that most of these castles were owned by big pharma corporations. And I knew about big pharma uh, from World War, I'd done a lot of research on World War II, the Nazis, Operation Paperclip, all that, all that. 
And um, Big Pharma uh, was made out like bandits uh, from World War II. Because you, you tend to think of Big Pharma as the people making um, vaccines, making medicines. Yeah. No, they also make the chemicals that the plane, the jets are spewing. Uh, they, they provide all the chemicals, not just IG Farben during World War II, but every war we've had, every war, they provide all the chemicals for all of it, uh, including DU weapons. Um, they provide uh, <clears throat> chemicals for GMOs, for, you know, for uh, fertilizers, uh, insecticides, I mean, everything that really in the future, this era will be remembered for uh, and probably not very admired for. Um, and, and so if you ask me who it is, it's Big Pharma. Big Pharma, I just found out, uh, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago that uh, the mainstream media in America that is so, so controlled as you know, and the you know CIA Operation Mockingbird, it goes all the way back to 1973, uh, and we still have the Mockingbird uh, control over the media. It the big pharma corporations support uh, all these, <laughs> all the major media of America: NBC, ABC, CBS, etc. Uh, with um, I can't remember the exact percentage, but at least 12 percent. 12%. So tell me this is not power. Tell me this is just a conspiracy theory about the nice big pharma corporations. No, they're running this whole operation. And Alana, is, is, is this something that transcends the Rockefeller and the Rothschild routes that are becoming so publicized? Uh, there's people that are talking about these two families and their foundations more and more all the time. But is this, is this something that's, uh, no, these, no. their bloodline, their bloodline and their shareholders, they're absolutely shareholders. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, I need to bring it to the corporate level beyond the Rockefellers. They, they've been used ad nauseum. I mean, I'm tired of them. I, everybody knows about them. Yes, yes, yes. What about the corporations that go nameless, try to go and hold a corporation responsible for something? Uh, and, and you're looking at years of litigation, years and years. And they may pay you off like recently Bayer uh, paid off some of Monsanto's uh, lawsuits to I don't know how many millions. Oh, peanuts, peanuts, because the power, the power is in the bloodline first of all, and then it's in the corporate profits. And, and these families, they've been made into a conspiracy theory. Uh, you bring up the word bloodline right away, people are, you know, have been conditioned to think of it as a conspiracy theory. <clears throat> it's no conspiracy theory. These are generations and generations of, uh, of corporate people, families completely uh, given wealth and power through what they have done in the past. And it is still going on for 
well, I don't know. I, conservatively, I would guess close to a thousand years. Sure. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Alana Freeland. Uh, Alana, uh, keep up the amazing work. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing when you complete uh, this current project, current book that you're on, and, and, and what you dive into next. Right. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Thanks, you, Alana. Thank you, Alana. Thank you.